0: greet you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ of the house of the Lord and I uh, I want to thank the ladies and um, and thank uh, our our guests, if you will, but like family, Sister Jackie for that great ministry music that, to set the tone that we might come and worship uh, our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Um, just briefly by way of announcement, as you see, the, the uh, bulletin changed briefly. Our brother Steve uh, was under the weather and not able to be with us. Um, and I've also asked our brother Harold Sharkey to bring the offertory this morning. And as uh, I want to count it a blessing that I can share this, this time with our brother Paul, who will bring the, the spoken word shortly. And I uh, count it a joy that we can serve our God this day and that we might serve you as uh, we recognize God's willingness to continue to to provide those things that are expedient for your life and mine in this promised land. And what a time to be thankful, a time to live in a land of thanksgiving, of uh, bounty, of uh, plenty, that we can learn to share it and to uh, partake of it and to give God the glory. By way of a call to worship, I would uh, turn your attention to... uh, Psalms 100, and I'll share these words with you. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people. And the sheep of his pasture enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise be thankful unto him and bless him his name for the Lord is good his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations and that is a promise to know that his truth endures all generations and I'm minded, reminded in the book of Deuteronomy, particularly ch- around chapter 8 and other places, that we find this pattern, that as people give honor and thanksgiving and, and for the, what Lord does in their life, he continues to bestow those blessings. And as the people, it says, if the people turn from that and introduce other gods into their life, those blessings are removed. And I'm thankful that today we come together to give thanks to our God and that uh, he might, uh, by his mercy and his grace, bless us, that, uh, those, that that which transpires here today through the gift of the Spirit might touch your life to uh, increase your strength, that we might endure the days that we have. May God bless you as we uh, continue on with our time of worship.
1: Father, who art in heaven, the great God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Father, we uh, have gathered here this day to worship Thee. And with this time of season, oh, how we must give thanks. And so it is, Father, we're so thankful for those many blessings in our lives, our health, our children our homes, this place to worship, and even thy son, Jesus Christ, that you shared with us. And Father, we're so thankful for those many groups that cross that great deep to this continent, seeking out thy will, and that we still enjoy those benefits to worship freely in this country. So, Father, we're so thankful and especially mindful of that, this, this time of year. And, Father, uh, I would pray that you might be with my brother, Paul, as he uh, shares with us this day, that that kind and gentle spirit might guide and direct him, and that each one here might be blessed with it, and that we might leave here this day with the greater zeal to serve thee. And so, Father, it is our desire to worship thee in that spirit and in truth. May you bless this hour Is our prayer in the name of our Lord and Savior, who is Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.
2: I think we're all quite aware of the many customs and practices that the Jewish people observed under Mosaic law. And one of them was the uh, the time of release. It was a feast, they called it, of release. That meaning that those who you were indebted to after seven years, they would... Forgive that loan or that debt that you had toward them. Consequently, that practice probably still exists today among the Jewish people, but it represents the time that they were freed from the captivity of the Egyptians. That is what they're observing in that practice of the Feast of of, uh, Release. And in Deuteronomy, we find this scripture referencing some of that. It says, if there be any among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of the gates of the land which the Lord God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shall thy hand from thy poor brother. But thou shalt open thy hand wide unto him, and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need. And thou shalt surely give him, and thy heart shalt not be grieved when thou givest unto him. Because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and in all, thy, all that thou doest thy hand, and put it in thy hand. For the poor shall never cease to be out of the land. Therefore I command thee, saying, Thou shalt open thy hand wide unto thy brethren, the poor, and to the needy in the land. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, as we consider this time of year and the many blessings that you provide, we're mindful of this time in our history When we have uh, the many uh, blessings of this nation that you have so abundantly spared and given to us, we trust that we will always be mindful of these blessings and strive to be more diligent in helping those who are less fortunate. So in this time of our service, we have that opportunity to impart just a small portion of what you have blessed us with. May the Blessing be with it, upon it, and may it be used wisely to help those who stand in need as my prayer. And we pray these blessings in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
3: From the book of John, part of uh, chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he loved us first, and this commandment have we from him, That he who loveth God, love his brother also. Well, greetings to all of you. It's nice to see you again. And how blessed we are to be able to live in a place where the Restoration Church can be found in many locations. And wherever you go, you see those that you know. And that you love and that you're glad that you know them. And I've been shaking hands with many folks here this morning since the moment we walked in, and it's like a great reunion. And the Lord impressed upon me that it is a fraction of that great reunion that is before us, of all those loved ones who are here now, who may be here in the future, and those who have already passed on. How wonderful it is to anticipate that. When God created us, he loved us at first sight, and there was no turning away from him. His love that he has for us is beyond our ability to understand. But brothers and sisters, did he create us and send us here to this earth for holy purposes? Was there a plan there for us that he knew was in us? Today, this hour, I want to dwell upon the subject of love and part of his plan for us. Lehi, as we know from the early chapters of the Book of Mormon, had quite an adventure before him, and his sons were involved. And in the first book of Nephi, chapter 2, it reveals from there and several other places that two of his sons, Laman and Lemuel, were wicked men. And they were selfish and greedy, and they were full of jealousy. And their father, Lehi, did wonderful things for them, but they refused his ultimate But Lehi still loved them very much. Consider also the words of King Benjamin, as we find them in the second chapter of Mosiah. Humble yourselves even in the depths of humility, calling on the name of the Lord daily and standing steadfastly in the faith of that which is to come. And behold, I say unto you, that if you do this, you shall always rejoice and be filled with the love of God for everything and everyone, and always retain a remission of your sins. And ye shall grow in the knowledge of the glory of him that created you, or in the knowledge of that which is just and true. Mosiah was a wonderful leader. But at one point in time, his sons were not prepared to listen to the teachings of their father. And these young men became wicked and evil. Everywhere they went, there was unrest and hatred and anger. It was their goal to destroy the church. But Mosiah never gave up because he loved them. They were first in his heart. Today we live in a difficult world. There are a lot of things going on between nations, wars and rumors of war, poverty and famine. We're setting records in the world now with famine. People are dying of all ages because they don't have enough to eat in record numbers. We have problems in our own nation. One of the things I read about Ronald Reagan once that he said, if we cease to believe that we are one nation under God, we will one day be one nation that has gone under of all those things that are affecting us today, one of the most serious and the most heartbreaking is the persecution of Christians around the world. Found in many countries, and when we look at statistics 10 or 15 years ago, Christian-based churches were the largest churches in America. We They were number one. In numbers and in growth. Today there's an entity called megachurches, and now they are number one. And there's a big difference between the megachurches and churches that believe in Jesus Christ, like this church. And that is that they are called non denominational. That's the first time in the last five years that they've been listed non-denominational. Catholics were there, Muslims were there, Christians were there, but not non-denominational. But now they are number one. And they do not believe in anything. They have no gospel. They have no doctrine. Whatever you believe is okay with them. And they'll have four, six, maybe 10,000 members in their congregation. And it's because that's where people want to go. That's where many things that they like to have in a church are present. And it's difficult. It is difficult for us to understand the loss of understanding that they have And that they pass on to their children and to others around them because they just don't have that core belief that the Lord wants us to have. One thing of particular interest about this Christian thing is that Russia is growing in Christianity. What's sad is that the number of Christians in America is dwindling. In this land, choice above all other lands upon the earth, this place where we have received so many blessings, many have forgotten the promises of the Lord, and yet, up to this hour, He has kept every one of those promises, not forgotten us for a moment where we are. Through all of this, we must have love for others and remember that He has a plan for us. We must be looking, we must be listening, we must be studying, fasting, praying, preparing, all of these things and more with an umbrella of love that presides over it all. I want to tell you, about a place that has great love for the veterans of this country. And it's right here in Kansas City area. If you were to get on Troost or 89th Street and come to the intersection there, on all four corners of that intersection, there is something there to help veterans. And one of the things that they do there is from other parts of the nation they receive referrals for those veterans who require the kind of help that is offered there. And one of the things that they give to those who come there by this referral system is a little house. It's about as big as the classrooms on either side when you walk into Buckner. There's a bed there. There's a shower there. uh, There's a little kitchen there and a table to sit at spotlessly clean. And when they know who's coming, if they're coming from someplace, they try to have things on the wall, pictures on the walls that talk about that place. Maybe a maybe a sports team, maybe a scene of a city or something like that. And whenever they leave there, they're not expected to be there permanently, but when they leave there, they can take whatever they want with them from that little house. Well, we went to visit there not too long ago with... Some church members, and we were there to help out with the things that were happening on that particular day and um, we got to talking with a couple of the organizers, and they said, "We've had great luck with those who have come here. I think some of the folks that have been here have gone on to higher levels, and they're being successful and i and i said what uh, what other stories do you have?" He said, "Well, I had one that's kind of interesting." We had a a young man come to us. He had just been in Afghanistan. And um, we took him down and showed him his house that he was going to be in. And he was just, there were tears running down his cheeks because he just couldn't believe it. He had been homeless up to that point. And they said, we have many things here for you. We have three meals a day, and 24-7, you can come up to the big hall up there if you want something to eat or if you want to talk to somebody. And five o'clock in the evening was the evening meal, and it came and it went, and he didn't show up. So, two of the organizers took their pass key and went down to his house and opened it up, and he wasn't there. They thought, Where has he gone? Maybe he's gone to a neighbor. Maybe he's uh, someplace else we don't know here on the property. And so they came out of the house, and they started to walk to the next house. And there between the houses, he was sitting, sitting on the ground on a very cold January day with his back to the house that they had let him use. That was his now. And his head was down. And they came to him, and they said, What are you doing out here. And he said, I am not worthy to be in that house. And they spent some time outside of that house talking with him and about what they were doing there and what they were all about. And his mind changed enough for him to go back into his house. But he felt unworthy for whatever reason. I don't know what it was, and I'm sure maybe they discovered it. But they were able to help him because they wanted him to know that there was love in this world and not all things were negative. All of us here know the name Mike Ballantyne. He's a patriarch in the church. He's received from the Lord many impressions and words that he has written down. And I know Mike quite well. He's a man of love. He really is dedicated to the beliefs of the church. In one of the inspired messages that he received from the Lord, Brother Ballantyne said that it was made clear to him that we must be willing to have within us the love of Christ. We must be ready to love the unlovable. We must do more for that plan. In Alma, the 10th chapter, it says, humble yourselves before the Lord and call upon his holy name and watch and pray continually that you may not be tempted above that which you can bear and thus be led by the Holy Spirit, becoming humble, meek, submissive, patient, full of love, and all long suffering, having faith on the Lord, having a hope that you shall receive eternal life. Having the love of God always in your hearts that you may be lifted up at the last day and enter into his rest. Have we the love of God in our hearts and receive by that his blessings and forgive those who trespass against us that one day. We shall walk in those green pastures, and we shall do so beside the still waters. Is there a better blessing than living with God, our creator, forever? A high priest that I dearly loved passed away a few years ago. Most of you in this room remember Glenn Friend. And we traveled together many years together as we traveled to smaller branches around the Midwest, and we did a lot of things together. And um, he had three sons, and the youngest of those three was discovered to have a, a brain tumor. And it was quite uh, aggressive. And Glenn called me one day and said, can you come with me? to my son's house to administer to him. And I said, I'll be glad to do that. And so we went to his house and we prayed for him. And there were just the three of us in the house. And I asked him, his name being Matthew. I said, Matthew, how do you feel about all of this that you're going through right now? I know it's difficult. I know that you're concerned about many things. What is it? that you would like to tell me and your dad about whatever your concerns may be. And he said, if I had it my way, I would like to be able to see my three daughters graduate from high school. And I would like to walk each one of them down the aisle when they get married. But, if the Lord calls me home tonight or tomorrow, how bad will that be? And I was taken back by that because it was so simple and it was so loving and so full of what the Lord wants us to have, to know that someone can feel that way in the condition that they're in, and do so with a heart full of love. In Third Nephi, we find the words of the Master. Behold, I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father who is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the good and on the evil. Who does God love? If for a moment we could think of all the really bad people in our history, really terrible people that were with us together when we were in the world and before this time, When God created us, we were there as spirits together. And when they came to this earth, something happened to them. It might have been their environment. It might have been uh, people close to them, maybe even their parents, peers. Something happened to them that changed them. And they gave up on God. And they no longer considered him as real. And they hated anyone who felt that it was real. For all of the death and misery and corruption they have caused for mankind, God still loves them. And he wanted us to do the same. God knows everything about them. He knows every thought they've had. He knows every word that they've said. He knows everything he's they've participated in. And God still loves them. We don't know what are th- those things are. We don't know what those people were thinking, what they have said, all of it, or what they have done, all of it. But we are not their judge. And we have been cautioned not to be their judge. In another inspired message received by Brother Ballantyne, It says it may be difficult for some of us to embrace the different individuals that may come to our door. For they will not be like the saints you meet with every week. Nevertheless, I love them. And I died for these people as I died for you. When you reach out to these forlorn souls, you will be reaching out to me. In our preparation for these challenges of the latter days, our prayers will become critically important. When we pray, what do we pray for? When you go into your place to pray, wherever that may be in your home, or whenever you find it important that you start praying for whatever the cause may be, it may be about health plans, it may be about your family, somebody that's sick, the church, world problems, and so much more. And those are all good things. Those are all things that we need to pray about. But brothers and sisters, if you want to please God beyond that, and he loves you when you do that, there is one way that I discovered that I'm going to pass on to you this morning, and I know it will work for you. When I was still working, on an early Saturday morning, I received a phone call from a brother who said, I'm going to the hospital to administer to whoever it was. Would you go with me? And I looked at the clock, and I thought, oh, my. And I said, yes, I'll go. And I sat on the edge of the bed, and I said, it's Saturday morning. This is the only morning that I can sleep in. And I can do so and be comfortable about it. And it's really cold out there today. And, oh, I'm going to have to get dressed and do all of this and that. And I thought about those things. And I got in my car and I started to drive. And then it hit me. You are going to the hospital to do something that God wants you to do. Rejoice in that. And I thought about that. Wow wow, he wants me to do this for him. And I hadn't looked at it quite like that. But he said it should bring joy to my heart to know that he's calling on you now to do what he wants you to do for him. It was overwhelming to to me at that time. And this is what I would recommend that we do. When we sit on the edge of our bed or kneel next to our bed or we're in our closet and we're praying and we're asking for all these things that we know are important because they affect our family, because they affect other things that are close to us, and we're praying away, and the Lord made this impression upon me With a sincere heart. You can say when you pray. Lord. I love you. And I know. That you love me. And then ask something that you haven't asked. Something that you'll not find in most of your prayers. And I didn't find it in mine. But the Lord wants you to ask one thing, and then he'll take it from there. You simply ask, Father, what can I do for you today? When was the last time you asked that? I know when I started doing it, it I couldn't remember when I had ever asked for that. Lord, what can I do for you today? And then the Lord impressed upon me, asked that every day. And since that time, he's given me something, maybe a phone call, maybe a visit, maybe something else that he wanted me to do, but he wanted me to do it for him. And I ask him to give that to me, give me something to do for you because of all the wonderful things that you've been able to give to me. Jesus wants us to be right there with him, someone that he can depend upon someone who will follow him even when the going gets tough. And his closest followers, it's always been a mystery to me how he could hold on to those men for almost three years and they would continue to follow him. Why? Because he loved them. And they loved him. He made them happy. They trusted him. He gave them hope. He made them feel welcome, and he recognized them as believers. Even after his disciples denied him in the garden and moved away from him in different directions, all of them, with the exception of Peter, moved away so that they wouldn't be in trouble themselves. And even when they did that, Jesus still loved them. In particular, I love the story of Peter as recorded in Luke 22. When they took him from the garden headed for the palace of Caiaphas, Peter followed. He wanted to know what was going to happen. And he got to the palace of the high priest of the church at that time and uh, someone allowed him to get in there to where they were at with Jesus those who had taken him there and the one who let him through a door looked at him and said you're one of them i recognize you you're one of those and he said no 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 i'm no i'm not you've got the wrong person and peter went on into the palace and he went into the room where there was a little fire and all those who had brought the lord into that room, he was there also, they were seated down on the floor, Peter came in and sat down with them. And when he sat down, another one that was seated there said, I recognize those clothes. You're one of them. You're one of his followers. He says, no, I'm not. You've got me confused with someone else. I am not one of his followers. And after about an hour, and when we read about this in Luke, it does say that it was about an hour, that another one recognized him, and he denied it. And the moment that he denied that third person, the cock did crow. And he remembered that Jesus told him that's exactly what would happen. And this is the part that gets me here, that when that cock crowed, Jesus looked at Peter can you imagine Peter he looked at Peter didn't say a word just looked at him what love did Peter pass on to did Jesus pass on to Peter at that moment and Peter couldn't handle it and he had to leave that room had to leave that building and then he wept as it says in the scriptures he wept bitterly another example of faith from the scriptures is the centurion that had the sick servant do you remember and the centurion sent some people to find the lord and say could you come to the centurion's house and heal that servant and he said sure i'll come i'll come to his house and they went back and they told the centurion that. And he goes, no, 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 no. I don't want him to come to my house. I, I'm not worthy to have him in my house. Go tell him that I'm not worthy. But tell him that if he'll just say that my servant is healed, it'll happen. He will be healed. And they went and told Jesus that. And he just he just looked at them. And he turned to those that were around him and he said, I have never seen faith like this anywhere in Israel. The faith is a centurion. And at the cross, the centurion that stood there, when Jesus died and the ground began to rumble, the centurion said, surely, he had to say it loud enough, somebody wrote this down, surely this is the Son of God. Where did he get that from? Did you ever think that those two centurions might be the same person? I don't know. I don't know for sure. But even if it's two, they were always assigned to wherever Jesus was going to be just to keep the crowd from getting really rumbly, rioty. And uh, I'll bet he heard things that changed his heart, that showed him that there was something else out there. In John 15, it says, one of my favorite passages now one of my favorites it says greater love hath no man than this that a man would lay down his life for his friends when i was in the military i was you you, most of you know this already i was at station to darlington national cemetery and i was taking a walk one day and i got into an area they call the bowl and uh... You could look in any direction and just see all kinds of stones, white stones, up on all around you. And you were like in the bottom of a bowl. And I looked at that and I was overwhelmed by it and I thought, wow. And I started reading some of the stones and they were, some of them were World War I, some of them were two. You could see what their age was when they were born and when they died. Most of these men and women were 19, 20, 21 years old. They were just young people, not hardly getting started in their life. Thousands and thousands of military stones and the sacrifice that they made for me and for you and to millions of others. They laid down their lives for us. And Jesus says there's nothing greater than that. my heart knew that sacrifice was great and i was overwhelmed by that moment that i had to realize that on another occasion when i was working at the tomb i it was a cold uh, kind of a cold fall day and um, the guard change was over with and i was out on the mat doing my walk And uh, there was just a handful of people there, but when I got down to the other end of the plaza at the end of the mat to turn to to look at Washington to start my count there, there was an older couple there, about 20 feet in front of me behind the chains. And uh, the man had a cane, and the lady had a little handkerchief in her hand. And uh, I turned and went to the other end, couldn't see them from that end. But then by the time I got back down, they were still there, she was wiping her eyes, and they were looking at the plaza, and I thought, what, what is this? What is this? This is kind of strange. And then I turned and went down to the other end, and turned around and came back. Eventually, they were gone. I did not see them leave. I, didn't, I don't know where they, where they went or how quickly they were able to get away. But it came to me, and it, was, it, was, it cleared my mind, is that this couple had lost a son or daughter somewhere in Korea, somewhere uh, in France, someplace along the shores of France, maybe somewhere in another part where World War I or World War II was fought, and their son or daughter never came home. They have no idea where they are or what happened to them. And maybe, just maybe, this is when it came to me, they're thinking that it could be one of them. There were three stones there at the time, the remains of three soldiers, men or women, from those wars. And maybe they think it just as possible that the remains that are there are their son or their daughter. The closing hymn we have today has some beautiful words in it. And I wanted to read some of those to you. I would love thee. Because you are my redeemer and king. Without you, my life would be a bitter thing. All blessings come from thy throne. With you, I am never alone. Because you are my guide. I would love thee. Without your nourishment of love my soul would die. Your brightness brings joy to my eyes. On thy love, my heart is set. I can never forget that my Redeemer loves me. I will never forget to remember. If you would bow your heads with me, I would like to offer a prayer. Father, Heavenly Father, with the support of your pure love, may we accomplish those things that you have planned for us. May love become a part of our continents, not just because of this holiday of Thanksgiving, for we are thankful every day, every hour, for every blessing that comes from you. And when love comes our daily spiritual goal, we will accomplish a major portion of your plan for your creation. And Father, we have your gospel, we have your priesthood, your scriptures, your church, your vision for us collectively and individually, your pure love that will see us through the challenges of the days ahead. That beautiful pure love that we will find in the holy city of God, Zion. Thank you, Father, for all your blessings, because you love us. And we have chosen to love you and our neighbor. And may the pure love of God fill our hearts, and where thou art in glory may the servants be with you, serving you forever. May we be one of those servants. In Jesus' holy name we ask it. Amen.
4: God, the Eternal Father, Thou who art our creator and who has placed us here upon this Thy footstool, that we might together work out our probation. Father, this day we've come together to worship You, to learn more of Thee, to uh, be inspired by the spoken Word, the written Word, and the movement of your spirit. And we pray, our Father, as we have heard uh, this call today, this reminder of the love that you have for us and the love that we must have one for another, we pray that within us was stirred something anew, that we uh, might go forth from this place uh, a better people, seeking to serve you, with a great love for uh, mankind, that they might too receive the message of salvation that we hold and cherish so dearly. Help us, Father, give us strength, that we might indeed be a light that's set upon the hill, that those that seek may find the comfort and love of your good spirit and an understanding of the gospel of thine only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, as we uh, would retire from this service to a time of fellowship and a time of thanksgiving, we pray that that good spirit would go before us to bless our conversations, that we might uh, have joy within our hearts to be together one with another. And we pray, Father, as we... uh, would sit down at a table together that you'd bless the meal that we would partake of. Thank you so much, Father, for the hands that prepared it. Bless it to meet the needs of our body. And may all glory and honor be given unto thee. Indeed, we are thankful this day for the blessings that you have laid before us. We are a most fortunate people. Thank you for all your doings for us, Father. Continue with us, we pray. And I ask this special blessing in the sacred name of Jesus Christ. Amen.